privilege today to uh, focus on another one of our core values, and today that is honoring all people. And so I want to invite you to read it together with me. Uh, this, this is a value that, um, that I think there's much to be said in Scripture regarding this, and we're actually going to look at a whole passage here today. But let's read together this value, okay? Ready? Honoring all people by affirming the intrinsic God-given value of every person, regardless of differing religious beliefs, political opinions, lifestyles, and personal perspectives. Well, honor is having and showing God-given value and esteeming others for who they are at the core as having been created by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, in our society, we use the uh, term honor uh, a lot, actually. You will see it in many, many different settings, civic settings, etc., where honor uh, is, is, is when we esteem a fellow, uh, maybe it's a coworker, uh, or another person, we esteem them for uh, exhibiting qualities of character or good deeds or certain kinds of achievements. And I think that that goes on a lot in our whole general society, in our culture. And I think it's something beautiful. And I've been privileged to see the same in some other cultures in different parts of the world. I've seen it in Asia. I've seen it in Africa, two or three African nations that I've been in. And it's just a beautiful thing. So there seems to be something within all of us as humanity, okay, who understands a basic truth of honoring, okay? I think when it becomes sticky as though is to genuinely, sincerely show honor when there are distinct differences. Then it becomes a little bit more challenging, we're not going to get into that area today as such, and there's a lot of areas that we could go, but today I want to begin about honor in the context of the Christian community. How many of you know we have probably some work to do in that area? All of us do, right? And the better that we become at having a true spirit of honor and learning how to show honor in the Christian community, and as we grow in that, it will better help us to be able to now honor others with whom we have significant differences. They're even far beyond that what we experience as fellow Christians and ones who identify ourselves with Christ Jesus. So <clears throat> to begin with, I would like us to go to in our scriptures. I'm going to read NIV. Uh, by the way, the NIV translation, translation is more thought for thought rather than word for word translation, okay? A lot of times I use NASB, New American Standard, and sometimes you have the updated version, 95, and now they have a 2020 updated version. And that, that is more word for word. And if you want word for word translation, it's probably one, it's considered to be one of the most accurate. NIV came out in 1984. And it's more about uh, thought for thought. And it intentionally is not trying to 
uh, translate every single word, okay? So if you, for those of you who are real students of Scripture and such, uh, and you really want to dig in and do some real study, catch the, uh, something like an NIV or NLT, et cetera, and get the heart flow of it. But if you really want to dig in, then you want to get into some translations that are more word for word, and then you can get, dig a little bit deeper down through word studies and such, okay? But <clears throat> I think in this context here, this, our goal is to catch the spirit of what honor is all about today, okay? So we're not looking technically now for and trying to do word studies this morning. So I'm going to Romans in chapter 12. <clears throat> so Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. And then he goes on and he says in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then as a result, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. This is such a beautiful passage, perhaps familiar to many of us. It's one of my favorite ones. I learned these verses somewhere as about junior high age, and the Lord bring, brings these back to my memory many times. When I, he is nudging me about some ongoing transformation that needs to happen. Now, the word transform is the word metamorphosis. It's like a butterfly that comes from the stage of the cocoon, and then in the struggle, it breaks out into the fullness of its beauty and ability to fly and to be a display of God's creation, okay? Well, transformation in our lives, honestly, is a struggle. If we're really honest with ourselves, it's a struggle to try to break free. And if you've ever watched, I've watched on uh, a video of this and where they've done just really up close uh, video work with a butterfly like trying to break out of that cocoon stage in the metamorphosis. It takes time and it's just struggle and struggle and struggle. And it's exercising its little muscles until finally the resistance wears down and finally the muscles are strong enough that it can break through the shell of the cocoon. Well, that's a process, okay? Now, the butterfly probably would rather all of a sudden one day uh, somebody else, the, the creator, would just like open it so he could fly away. The problem is he wouldn't actually be able to fly. That's what the experts tell us. If you just take it, open it up, and, and throw him up like this, he wouldn't be able to fly because it's in the struggle that there's growth. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about, in my weakness, in my weakness, we find strength, okay? So struggle's not a bad thing, although I don't like it. But it's not a bad thing. It's good for us. It has the opportunity, the potential to build character, to build a spirit of endurance, to learn how to, oh, Jen was right on, to learn how to what? 
Oh, help me out. Were any of you listening to her? Come on. To help us to learn how to trust. There it is. That God is with us in the struggle. He's with us in the process. Well, <clears throat> this is all important in the context of honor. Okay? We're in process. Now, I want us to go on. We're going to read the rest of the passage, and then we're going to come back and highlight a few things. For verse 3, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, so now he's using speaking metaphorically, okay? So just as in the natural body, we have different, many members of our natural body. And then he says, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Whoa, I don't know about that, huh? Each member belongs to who? No, hold it now, hold it. I, I thought it's like me and Jesus. We have this thing going. How many of you know that's a truth? But to have a thing going with the head also by its very, very nature is that is the interdependence, the connectedness with many others. Ah, now that's starting to get kind of personal now. It's like, I don't know that I want that. Well, anyhow, just food for thought. It was only the Apostle Paul that said it. So, you know, he might have something uh, of, of a bit of wisdom here in that. Uh, so then he goes on, and I lost my place here. Let me get back to it. Let me get back to it. So in Christ, we are many, and we form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. Paul doesn't seem to be offering this as a suggestion. He seems to be implying that this is a true reality. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Well, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, well, then let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, but cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one above uh, another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, we're going to stop there for today, and now I want us to go back and talk a little bit about some of the thoughts shared here. 
So we don't have time to, on every phrase just to pause and to look at all of them. Uh, some of them are rather, rather obvious and such, but I really want to highlight several things, okay? So we go back here to verses 1 and 2. One of the things I do want to highlight, though, it's interesting that he talked about to offer your bodies. Now, that's kind of an interesting expression, offer your bodies. I thought we we're supposed to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. And your mind was also included in there in the great commandment. So here he's kind of talking about your bodies. So what about the spirit? What about the soul of a person? Okay. Now, I want to make just a few little um, comments for understanding here. In 1 Thessalonians 5, okay, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. All people have a spirit, a soul, and a body, okay? The soul is structured as a human body, okay? The spirit is the life flowing, the moving life energy that sustains life that was first breathed into Adam. He became a living soul, okay? So it's the God breath. It's the breath of heaven. It was the, it was the, Ruah that was breathed into Adam. So while we can see and feel our physical form of our body, we never want to divide any one of us into three parts. All parts, spirit, soul, and body work together. They do not work independently of the other. It's not possible even to work independently. Whatever happens with our spirit influences our soul and our body, okay? What happens to the soul has an effect on our spirit and our body, okay? What happens to our bodies, what goes on in our bodies also has a great deal of effect upon our soul and our spirit. Not one of them can work solely independent. Because it's not the design of the creator. And so this is very important that we need to see humans as a unit that includes three parts that are interdependent together. And so we see in scripture where um, <clears throat> there can be emotional turmoil in the soul. Uh, we also see, for example, in 1 Kings 21 that there can be sadness of spirit. That's interesting. While Psalms 94 and Psalms 103 speak of joy in the soul, then Jesus talked about his spirit was troubled. And then it talks about that he was grieved in his soul. And so emotions exist throughout a person's being. Fear affects your entire being. Your, your entire being is affected, all right? Emotions and joy and peace course throughout the entire body. Our thoughts uh, influence every part of our being as well. So we, as a human unit, can experience by transforming and the renewing, by the renewing of their mind, 
but it's not an exclusion to the soul and the body. True transformation means every part of our being is growing and expanding and experiencing the richness of Christ, okay? So <clears throat> sometimes um, <clears throat> there is this thought that sometimes uh, um, that when a person is saved, their spirit is perfect, but their soul and mind are still carnal and in need of being renewed. The only problem is we don't have any scripture for that. So that becomes a little bit of a sticky issue, right? And quite honestly, I used to think that for a season because I heard somebody else say that. As time goes on, you start like, where did I get that from? Apostle Paul kind of clarifies it. For example, the scripture I just read, you First Thessalonians, he said he wants all of our spirit, soul, and body to be sanctified. All of it needs to be sanctified. He's talking to Christians. So Apostle Paul never once assumed that all of a sudden your spirit is perfect and now you just got to get everything else to align into the spirit, okay? There's a couple teachers uh, back in the um, late 1800s and early part of this last century that, that taught some of this on that. And I think what it does, it leaves something to be desired because <clears throat> this is actually a form of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was around back in the day of Apostle Paul. It was back in the days of the early church. And one of the characteristics, their thoughts of, of the Gnostics was to, it was to think largely about a special spiritual enlightenment, which isn't really a bad thing in and of itself. The part that is mostly concerning, though, is that the physical things of the, the physical nature and the material world are, are all corrupted uh, that are less than. And sometimes it brought this, like this dualism came in. And so when we come back to scripture, we really see this, we are whole being, spirit, soul, and body, and we need to grow in the likeness and character and quality of Christ Jesus, every part of us. We don't have time this morning, at least we won't take time, to actually go to dozens of scripture along this line. But, but there is a truth there, at least uh, for us to consider. The, the body, actually, Paul, so Paul talks about, is being a temple of God's glory. So the apostle Paul recognizes that our physical bodies can be defiled, but as believers in Christ, we're in process of yielding our physical bodies as we yield our minds, as we yield our souls, we yield our emotions, we yield our spirit, and that we do move together as a unit in becoming conformed to the likeness of Christ Jesus. And so Paul teaches this, that you know, all of creation is held together by Christ. All humans, every part of my human being is held together by Christ. And he is saying, awaken unto life eternal. Awaken unto the fullness of my presence and my spirit so that you might grow and find yourselves um, shedding off the things and the patterns of this world and taking on more and more the likeness in the create and, and, and the um, characteristics with which you were created. That's really called spiritual growth. growth. And um, we, we want to get back to the, the actual core of our identity. 
What we do know, though, that, that while Christ holds all things together, that when sin came into the cosmos, as a result, Apostle Paul speaks of it, the whole earth groans. The whole earth groans and looks forward to redemption. That's why this scripture tells us in Revelation that someday there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And when it says new, it means restored, okay? Because of sin, everything has been affected in this world. And we know that. We, we, we all get that. Uh, it's taken a toll on our physical bodies. And so we as humans, our physical bodies, while we still have the life of Christ within us, bringing us into fellowship, and by his grace, he brings health and wholeness. But the fact is, we're all in a dying process. Trust me, you're all going to die at some point, okay? Because you can't experience resurrection life and have a glorified body like Christ if you don't die. Dying is ugly, but it's also glorious. So what we do is we pray and expect God's healing hand to keep us healthy for the time uh, that he's appointed us to for this season of life here on earth, okay? Just as we want our mental health, we want spiritual health, we want emotional health, okay? But we're all in this process together. But the scripture tells us so much about this process of sanctification of our spirit, our soul, and body. So understand we are this complete unit. Now, what does this have to do with honoring all people? I could hear you thinking that. The level and degree of appropriate honor that can be shared with and offered towards others flows from throughout our entire being of spirit, soul, and body. It's more than just a mental thing. It is more than just a feeling. It is something that flows from our entire being. True honor will flow. And you can sense it. How many of you, you'll need to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have had supposed words of honor expressed to you, but you sensed it really wasn't coming forth from the entire being of another person. It was the right thing to say in that moment to make you feel good. That's called flattery. It's not a good thing. But you sensed it wasn't from the depths of their spirit, their soul, and their body. And so sometimes we can live that way. And that's what happens in our world. And unfortunately, sometimes as ones who identify with Christ, we get caught up in that same spirit. Just kind of shucking and jiving other people to kind of get wherever we want to get and go in life. We're not being sincere. So the best way that we can be sincere with each other is to simply say, okay, here's who I am. Here's who I am in my identity. Here's where I'm at in my growth experience. I'm in process of being transformed. And sometimes that means there's some impurities throughout my being. Sometimes that means that there's something at a heart level that is not totally pure before God. It has an effect upon my attitude and upon my speech, et cetera, et cetera, see? And that affects how we honor or sometimes struggle in honor or sometimes plain 
fail to honor all people. Sometimes it's difficult to give total Christ-like honor even to the ones we love the most. Not intentional, but stuff happens and next thing we know, we have an attitude or feeling and we've shared some words that weren't honorable. How much more challenging is it with those around us with whom we have distinct differences of perspective in life. Wow. This is a big deal. Because the very essence of God is love. The very essence of the nature and characteristics of God is love in the where he 100% sees the beauty and value of every human being on the earth regardless of their outward behavior. I'm not there yet. I'm a long ways from that. But I keep comfort in knowing this, that he who has begun a work in me will bring it to completion and it will be finalized when we see Jesus face to face. Somebody say thank God, yeah? <laughs> Let's go to verse 3. By grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now, every person carries the highest level of significance before Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? But our personal significance and value is not just in standing alone. Remember the metaphor that's used in Scripture repeatedly, especially by the Apostle Paul. We are members of Christ, his what? His body. And Paul keeps painting this picture again and again. I want you to understand the beauty and the uniqueness of the significance that you have to offer. Because if you just stand alone, it's... Oh, so you are your own significant other for your glory. No, remember, remember this, saints. You stand as a significant individual in the context of Christ's body. Now, keep in mind, when Paul's writing this, he's not just speaking about the universal body of Christ, you know, the church at large. He's speaking this to the church at Rome. These are Christians that are kind of doing this thing called living in relationship from week to week, day to day, having interaction with each other. Paul says, think of it in that context. We need to think of that in that context as well. Not limited to local churches by no means at all. The, the truth applies wherever we go in this world. But well, that's a good starting place within our homes and within our own fellowships. And so honorable thinking and perspective says, I'm uniquely created and gifted. I have an important role in Christ's body. I have a very important role. But that role of significance can only be fully realized in the context of being fitly joined together with other members. The significance of this elbow 
This elbow has a very, very, very significant role. God bless the elbows. But this elbow, if not connected to the upper arm and the forearm, I mean, what is there to boast about? I'm a good-looking elbow. I'm really, really important. It's only in the connectedness that being joined together and the working together, feeling the strain together, that is what brings out the glory of the living Christ for the elbow. So we recognize that each one of us has significant value. You never can fully realize it without being fitly joined together and functioning. Without having some level of function, you, 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 you can't, you can't uh, experience the full glory of it. Now, it is also Paul's um, intent here to say, hey, and also be careful, don't overrate yourself. Because every member of the body is just as significant. You say, well, I'm an ear. The whole body really depends on me. Because I hear from God. <laughs> now, how many of you know the ear and the natural is pretty important? All right? The ear is very, very important. But we don't want the ear to begin to think, Get a little bit overrated. Ah, everybody depended on me. Aha, uh -huh. you know. So it's interesting. I don't think most of us don't struggle with that. I think the greater struggle is undervaluing our significance. I think that is more common in my personal experience and as well as in my observation of hanging out with people for a few years. And that is that we tend to undervalue. It's like... Oh, well, it's really no big deal. So I'm not involved, so I don't participate. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It's huge. It's huge for yourself, and it's huge for the rest of the body. Very significant. So enjoyment and refreshment is a good reason to be belong, but personal growth is also essential. It's essential. It's essential. And we need to be stretched a little bit because you can't grow without being stretched just a little bit. Sometimes we feel like we can be stretched beyond what we can handle. So just taking the easy way robs others of what God wants to contribute in you, into you, bring to you, and wants to work through you. So remember, remember, remember Jesus is the head of the body and of the part that you are to which you belong. He's the head. Yeah. So for my elbow to participate, for this bicep to participate, it's honoring Christ the head. The bicep can't say, well, I'm just going to, I'm too busy. Worked within all the other busy things this bicep needs to do, the bicep must consider the head and must consider the rest. So Paul gives now some specific ways to honor. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given. If a man's gift is prophesying, 
let him use it in proportion to faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it. And Paul is just simply saying that spiritual gifts and life, and life experience is so valuable to the rest. Be sure to take all of those experiences. Be sure to take those areas of gifting because you carry some area of specific gifting that I certainly don't have. And many times, no one else in the whole context. Somebody else may have a similar gifting, but no one else has the exact same life experience as you do and the exact same giftings that fit. Therefore, your contribution is significant and important. And then Paul goes on and says, verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to whatever is good. Now, that kind of looks like it's out of context here. So a lot of times we think of evil, hate what's evil. It's like, oh, yeah, all that evil out in the world. How many of you know there's enough of it to go around for a long time? Everything's going to be okay, though. Christ Jesus, he's not throwing up his hands yet, and he never will, okay? Everything's going to be okay. But he says, hate evil. Here's, here's, here's a thought on this. You know, I believe he's speaking towards here. You've got to look at the context in which he inserts this phrase. Hate whatever keeps you from being fully joined with the body and becoming a functioning part that adds beauty in life. That's the context. There is another. That is the context. That's where you are to hate. Because the nature of the evil one is to distract us and to keep us from the highest levels of priority. And one of our highest levels of priority in Christ is honor the head by participating with his body. Oh, but I mean, I just love God with all of my heart. Soul, mind, and strength. I love Christ Jesus. I love the Holy Ghost. Participate with other people though? No, I've got this thing. And Jesus says, if you've got this thing with me as the head, don't forget my body. Don't just love me because I love you. If you really love me, you're going to want to participate with all of me. That's how the Lord is honored. So Paul is just saying, hey, you don't want to get caught in that snare. Love me must be sincere. What is sincere love? We've all heard it said, actions speak louder than words. How many times in my life I go, man, you know, I'm just really sincere in my love. You know, I mean, I mean you know, I mean, God just knows my heart. Yeah, well, number one is maybe the depth and the reality of Christ's love in my heart isn't as fully developed as I kind of want to believe. That could be a problem in of itself. And apparently so because it would come out more purely. It would be more visible and obvious to others. Because love is something that cannot be contained. By its very nature, love involves others. 
That's who God is. God is love, and he therefore is not in isolation. Love is expressed in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've all been created within the life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now he draws us in and says, I want you to participate. That's what we call salvation. So we embrace Christ as Lord, the one who laid down his life for us. And as we do that, now it's the work of the Holy Spirit that releases the life of his presence within us now, enabling us now to love as he loves. But that's an ongoing, growing process. And it's okay. And we should never feel any condemnation by ourselves or from other people like, well, man, you should be having it together more than that. Well, I'm in process. At the same time, it's important for us personally to examine ourselves. Not important for me to try to examine your heart, but I do have a responsibility before God say, God, search my heart. Apostle Paul says, examine yourself. How well am I doing in love and honor? Because the deeper and the more expanded my love is for Christ and his body, honor flows freely. And when it's not flowing freely, and I know it sometimes, it means that I'm still in process. And I can't just glibly say, oh, well, I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. No, what I need to say is, that's my intention. I really want to fully love the Lord my God. But to love him is to love all people. I cannot fully love him except that it will be realized in my thinking and my attitudes to all people. A-double-L, all. Not just the ones that like me most. That's even hard sometimes. All people. I don't know what's with these scriptures anyhow. Why, why, I, you know, it'd be easier sometimes if we just didn't have this the scriptures, wouldn't it? Well, in the short term, easier maybe, huh? Maybe long-term consequences, but aren't you glad for the scriptures? Amen. Aren't you so glad that God has chosen to, to, to breathe his life and bring inspiration through human beings and we have scriptures to be able to, to, to encourage us, to challenge us, yes. Growth can't happen without challenges. Let's wrap it up. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. What does that mean? It does not mean that you devalue yourself. What it means is, it means is come to a place of trust and growing security in who you are in Christ in that the pureness of Christ's love will automatically be not self-centered, but you'll automatically be, be, uh, be, have your heart turned towards other and see Christ's beauty in others and become a friend, a cheerleader, an encourager. But when we're insecure, we're always consumed with about me, how I feel, what my needs are what I want, what I don't want. It just means we're still growing. How many of you parents ever saw that in your kids growing up? It's all about me. 
It's a part of growing. And we don't demean our children for that. But we know that as they grow, it'll be less and less all about me and my needs, my wants, my priorities. Ah, oh, big brother now starts honoring little sister a little bit more and deferring, see? So we teach our kids that. How many of you know we're all children of God and we're in process, right? So Apostle Paul, as being a good father and his apostolic calling, he says, guys, be devoted. Now, one scholar put it this way, and I should give proper credit to who, and I don't know where I got it, but I was reading several and some commentaries this week. He said, verse 10 could be translated like this, with brotherly love, have family affection for one another in honor, giving place to one another. Isn't that beautiful? Giving place means to have a place in your heart, recognizing the uniqueness and embracing the life flow of Christ through the uniqueness of other people around me. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What he's simply saying is this. In order for us to become fully transformed, it means pay attention to the priorities of our heart. Don't allow ourselves to get lukewarm. Let's don't allow ourselves to get in a ho-hum pattern of life. But be fully connected to the divine life of Christ. And one of the ways that I become fully connected to the divine life of Christ is being connected to you. Really simple. Because I've never meant to stand alone with me and Jesus and my four friends. Or just my natural family. We're really tight. We're cool. We all pray together. And I'm like, yes. But don't, be, don't, don't, don't let that be exclusive. Because you rob yourself and you rob other people. So Paul here, he waxes quite eloquent. He says, be joyful in hope, patience in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Honoring one another is a core value for all of us. And honor flows out of this growing relationship with Christ Jesus and this growing relationship with his body. Let's stand up together. So, Father, thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you so much, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you've inspired. You've inspired many. That you've inspired the writers who heard from your heart and they penned these words. And thank you for the life of the great Apostle Paul. Great not that he's superior to any other person, but only great in that he responded to you and in humility acknowledges his own weaknesses as he shares with us. But thank you for these truths. Help us to bring application to our lives. Help us, Lord. And we want to emphasize that word, help, because we're all in process. We need your presence, your wisdom, and we need the power of your spirit so that we could truly be transformed to the image and likeness of Christ and grow in spirit, soul, and body and exhibit the qualities of Christ in honoring all people. That's our prayer. Thank you, God. Everybody said amen, amen and amen.